Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I have Jessica Guan on with us. She's a licensed acupuncturist in Minnesota, and she's been practicing Chinese medicine for six years. She also was my acupuncturist um, during my last pregnancy as I was trying to get baby Onyx to come on out. So I'm super excited to have you on today, Jessica. Thank you, Andrea. I'm so glad to be here. Uh, Yes. So I would love to kind of dive in first with How did you first discover Chinese medicine? I always find there's stories that people have when they discover, you know, either Eastern medicines of any kind. Mm -hmm. So I have never, I didn't know anything about acupuncture and I was in my first semester of undergraduate school. And one of my professors was an acupuncturist and a naturopath. He was teaching anatomy and physiology. And one class he decided to, do um, a unique class on the energy meridians. And I just thought that that was so cool. And I spent the rest of the night going home, Googling everything about it. And I had no idea what acupuncture was or anything. I just thought it was, you know, people sticking pins in you, you know, (laughs) needles. I didn't know anything else. And as soon as I learned about the underwork, the underlying framework of Chinese medicine, I was so enamored. And so it kind of put that seed in my mind. But then I had been struggling with a lot of issues. I had, um, well, I still have it, but I have scoliosis and I had chronic back pain from the time of childhood, as well as um, I had really intense immune issues. I was always sick. I got mono multiple times. I had laryngitis. I had shingles as a teenager and so I found my acupuncturist that I worked with in Boulder um Marco Lamb I met him at a farmer's market and I started working with him and he was a huge part of my acupuncture journey as well so wow I mean that's where I find like everyone has kind of like that uh any sort of kind of fall down before they get better. And that's how kind of Ayurveda came into my life too, was postpartum after my first son. And I always find that people have those stories of like, I needed this healing myself. And I think sometimes that's beneficial to, to hear. So you're like, yeah, this does help X, Y, Z, whatever you're trying to work on. Um, yeah, one thing I know that you're passionate about and I'm passionate about is women's hormones. And so this is something that I would love for you to kind of dive into in the Chinese medicine approach to kind of balancing hormones. Um, and just kind of seeing similarities, because I know there's always similarities between Chinese medicine and Ayurveda. We just might have different kind of lingo for certain things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing that I love about Chinese medicine is it's all rooted in science and physiology. It's just looking at the body through a different cultural lens, which I'm sure you can relate to as well, being an Ayurvedic practitioner. But, you know, old Asian cultures tend to have a more holistic view of the world versus American culture, which is more individualistic and reductionistic. So what does that mean? That means that Chinese medicine is coming to its conclusions through a more big picture lens. Culturally, this medicine evolved from thousands of years of trial and error. And they use the language that they had at the time, which might sound outdated in this age, like liver cheese stagnation or wind invasion or blood pathogens, you know, but it's absolutely rooted in physiology and medicine. And having that convergence 
for myself of Western and Eastern understanding of the female body, I think has really helped me as a practitioner to more comprehensively understand the female hormonal system. So I will speak to the two most important functions that I feel like I work with the most as an acupuncture acupuncturist, um, which is probably the HPA axis, so the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis, as well as the detoxification system. And these are two um, aspects that play a huge role in women's hormones. Um, and so the detoxification system is basically what the Chinese medicine refers to as the liver. So the liver in Chinese medicine is, you know, every single organ in Chinese medicine has a bigger role to it than in Western medicine. It has an emotional aspect, a spiritual aspect, a, you know, psychological aspect. So the liver in the body, it's not only in charge of detoxification processes, however, it's also in charge of the free flow of qi. And so anytime that there's a qi stagnation, you want to treat the liver. And there's even a saying in Chinese medicine of when there's issues with menstruation, treat the liver. Mm. So from a scientific perspective, um, you know, you can think of probably the most um, common hormonal imbalance that I find in clinic is low progesterone. And part of why people have low pro progesterone, one, I'll tie it back into the HPA axis. So humans are <laughs> funny enough, actually mutants in that most mammals create um, vitamin C in their system when they're stressed and vitamin C naturally created basically um, combats the oxidative, oxidative process that stress hormones um, put on the body. However, humans don't have this mechanism. We have to get our vitamin C from external. And if we don't have enough vitamin C, then our body reaches basically to other available hormones in the system to convert it to cortisol, which is a stress hormone. So because we live in a society that has so is so rampant with stress hormones and women live radically different lives in the modern world where we're balancing all these different things between work and babies. Um, what happens is that a lot of women nowadays have progesterone deficiency because their bodies are converting this hormone basically into cortisol. So what can also happen because of that is that we accompany me. So I'm kind of talking about two different things at once. So I'll try to kind of separate them, even though they're related. So this is kind of the HPA axis aspect to it. So in acupuncture, it helps reset the nervous system so that your body can go back into a rest and digest mode and your body doesn't have to be converting progesterone into cortisol as much. So it helps boost um, progesterone levels essentially, as well as, you know, other supplements like taking more daily vitamin C can also help boost progesterone levels because your body is converting the vitamin C instead of the progesterone hormone. Um, so that's one way that acupuncture is super helpful for boosting progesterone. Um, but then the other way, the other common imbalance that I see in clinic is estrogen dominance. And part of that is because, you know, we live in a stressful society where progesterone is being pulled on. But the other aspect of it is that we also have so much estrogen, extra, excess um, 
estrogen in our environment because of birth control. You know, when a woman takes birth control, they're going to pee that out. And then that hormone actually goes into the water and that affects, you know, the land. It affects the other humans that drink the water um, as well as that we have a lot of different chemicals like BPAs and um, different fertilizers, different uh, pesticides that are estrogen mimickers. So essentially when we come into contact with these hormones, um, these fake hormones, they will trigger that kind of like hormonal cascade in the body. So what happens when we have this kind of excess um, estrogen that's not good? So there's a, there's a good form of estrogen that is helpful for the body, but there's a lot of other different forms of estrogen that are harmful. And you'll see those forms of estrogen in, you know, breast cancer, things like that, ovarian cancer, things that affect the female hormonal system. Um, and those hormones are just kind of floating around in the body. So when you help the liver from a Chinese medical perspective, so that's using points that, you know, affect the liver and there's also prescribing herbal formulas that help the liver, it actually helps that detoxification process so that those harmful estrogens can be um, removed. That makes sense. Yeah. No, as I'm listening, I'm like, oh, this makes perfect sense. I'm kind of like putting it through my own Ayurvedic lens and the same Ayurveda is very strong um, component for keeping that liver intact and really protecting the liver as well. And, you know, Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily talk to it from the hormones, um, but it makes complete sense. And, you know, we, we love our castor oil packs and ways to kind of detox and do the liver like that and help it out. So um, I would love to kind of kind of dive a little bit deeper into maybe let's start with low progesterone um, with that. So if someone's like, Ooh, I might be having low progesterone, what does that kind of look like maybe in the body? And then would they come to you for acupuncture as well as maybe some lifestyle prescriptions outside of, you know, seeing you? Yeah, that's a great question. So the two most common um, reasons why women come to see me, I would say is they have a really hard time during their luteal phase in their menstrual cycle. So that's the last two weeks of the cycle when women come to me and they're like, I'm miserable half of the month, I am a nightmare to be around the week before my period, my periods are short, my periods are or, sorry, my cycles are short, my periods are heavy. Those are all really really um, strong pointers to low progesterone. And I can speak to this for myself as well, because I come from a lineage of women that has endometriosis and endometriosis, you know, essentially that's where the, the uterine lining starts growing on other parts of tissues around the uterus. And there's kind of this, um, you know, kind of wayward way that the, <laughs> the, the menstrual blood is flowing and it's not flowing downward in a smooth um flow. So um, a lot of endometriosis is an estrogen dominant Mm. situation. And so a lot of this research that I've done has come from trying to figure out my own periods, um, because I have endometriosis and like all the women in my family do and multiple women have had to get like hysterectomies or be on birth control constantly because of it. So So yeah, for endometriosis issues, but then also if women are coming in having a hard time getting pregnant, because if you think of the word progesterone, you know, it means the root of it is pro gestation. So it's really a really key hormone in getting pregnant Mm. and keeping the baby for the duration. 
That's yes. Um, okay. I love that. And then, um, what about on the flip side with the high estrogen or yeah, high estrogen? Um, what does that kind of look like? Or when people, what symptoms would people be kind of complaining about where you're like, oh, this is leaning more towards estrogen? Yeah. So when I talk about low progesterone, it often comes with other high hormones. It's possible to have like normal estrogen and low progesterone, but it's really what I'm talking about though, is the balance. You know, like if you're low in progesterone, you're going to be, even if your estrogen levels are normal, you're going to be like estrogen dominant because the estrogen has more dominance over the progesterone. So, so really everything that I'm talking about is relative in the body. It's, which is so frustrating for me because sometimes women come in and they're like, I'm having all these symptoms, but I got my hormones checked and well, my estrogen's fine. And mm. or, well, my progesterone's fine or whatever, but it's like, they may not be thinking that you have to check your hormones at certain points in the cycle. And that just because one is normal, doesn't mean that the other's, aren't, you know, out of balance in relationship to that normal one. So um, I would say that, you know, the low progesterone symptoms uh, often go hand in hand with estrogen dominance, which is what I mentioned earlier with the endometriosis and just feeling really crabby. And essentially what progesterone does psychologically in your body is that it's very reminiscent of GABA. I'm not sure if you're familiar with GABA, um, but GABA is a hormone that slows down the um, electrical synapses of your neurons. So essentially it makes it so that your thoughts are a little bit slower and more cohesive. Um, so if someone's low on progesterone towards the end of the cycle, I'll often hear that they're like having these spinning thoughts or staying up and just can't turn off mm. their brain. That's actually a hormonal imbalance. It's not, you know, it's like so often we get into this realm of like, um, there's an element of just try harder not to think too much, or it's all, or just that it's it's psychological. Like, oh, you just need to go on antidepressants when really the root could be hormonal. It's all yeah. related. I love that you brought that up with the insomnia, and I think I've saw a ton of that in the last few years of like people just really struggling in the middle of the night. And is that something that, um, acupuncture can help with to kind of help, you know, settle down some of the hormones, you know, that would be going on if that could be part of the problem. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, acupuncture essentially kind of what it's doing is it's creating a micro injury in the body. And when you get injured, your body naturally releases like calming chemicals to help you to like not panic and to stay calm when you're injured. So it's, it's creating like enough of an injury that the body is responding, especially to those specific points that we are using. Um, however, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, we're, we're putting the needles into the specific acupoints. So those specific spots are getting, um, you know, the, the healing juju of the body. But we're also getting a systemic healing from the acupuncture because it's putting the body back in a rest and digest mode, or you could say a parasympathetic mode in the nervous system. Okay. I love that. Um, I want to kind of dive into a different topic with about herbs. And this one is something that I see uh, all over social media of people saying, Hey, take ashwagandha, take shatavari, take, you know, all of the herbs. And, you know, I've often said, you know, when friends ask, I'm like, 
why are you taking it? And they don't know, you know, they're like, this person just said that it's, it's good for them. And so it's kind of a blanket statement. So I would love to know your kind of approach with herbs and how maybe you help people realize that, Hey, this, I mean, herbs are powerful. There's a reason why we recommend them and, you know, practitioners recommend them versus, Hey, just buying them off the website, you know, off like maybe Bandy Botanicals where this could actually be harming you versus helping you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that I agree with you 100%. And I think that there is so much mumbo jumbo in the supplement industry. You know, it's, it's important to remember that at the end of the day, like these herbs and supplements are not regulated the same that pharmaceuticals are with trials, you know, any person can just say, hey, this herbs going to help in this way and sell it and they might not they might be a doctor they might not be a doctor you know so and it's so challenging as a healthcare practitioner because you want to believe that everybody in the health industry has good intentions you know we're there because we want to help people um and i and i do believe that there's a lot of like well-intentioned um people the the thing that i take issue with is when there are just these uh these herbal supplements that have 10 different herbs in it and it's just flouted as oh this is a women's health supplement and it's like what does that mean though there's so many different types of um women you know there's a 16 year old whose body is just getting the hang of creating hormones to support her cycle and then you know there's a woman who's going through perimenopause who is a very different hormonal landscape so you know oftentimes we'll just be like oh it's good for women and it's like what does that mean is it good for breastfeeding like you don't need to take an herb that's good for breastfeeding when you don't when you're not breastfeeding you know so so I absolutely as I've delved deeper into it because I am kind of unique in that I have a strong interest in Chinese herbs, but I also have a strong interest in Western herbs. But the thing that I, that I'm realizing is that, you know, with Chinese medicine, I feel very comfortable prescribing a formula. So that's maybe, you know, six to 14 different herbs in a formula, but that's because this formula has been around for thousands of years. There are thousands of practitioners that have done the specific formula for these specific symptoms and it's, it's so um, fine tuned that I feel very comfortable doing that. When it comes to any sort of Western herbal recommendations, I will keep it very simple. I will just say, okay, you need to take chase tree berry. That's a really simple, easy one for low progesterone, you know, or vitamin C. So I, I try to keep it extremely simple, you know, for, for estrogen dominance, I usually will just recommend taking psyllium husks you know, once a day, but that might not be the right, you know, course of action if somebody is on a lot of pharmaceuticals, because it can counteract that it might not be the course of action if somebody is dealing with, you know, certain IBS symptoms that can actually get aggravated by fibers. So every single body is so different as far as, you know, age, where you are in your life, what's going on, if you've had a child, if you haven't had a child, that I absolutely, you know, recommend seeing a practitioner, if you really, if you really want to get serious about like helping yourself, you need to get outside opinion from it, from a professional. And I think also just, I, I see so often like on Instagram and stuff, there are all these like self touting, well, this worked for me, so it'll Mm. work for everybody. And it's like, (laughs) Oh, it drives me nuts. It really drives me nuts because 
I think that two things are happening because of this. One, people that actually go through serious degrees, I mean, like Chinese medicine was a master's degree. It was 10 semesters. I had to study for another year to get licensed, to take all my licensing board exams. And then, you know, it's still taken me five, six years of being an acupuncturist to feel like I kind of know what the heck I'm doing. <laughs> like, 100%. It, like, even when I first started with all that training and education, I still very much felt like an imposter. So it is frustrating to me that it feels like it's it delegitimizes all the hard work that I put in and like all the education and courses and books that I've read when there's just somebody who has no even certification online being like, do this, do that. And they're charging $150 per session or whatever for it. So it's very frustrating for me. <laughs> I mean, I'm a huge proponent of like with harm to none, do as you will, but I don't see it as harmless. I see it as like, you know, there's, there's actually real harm that can come from giving somebody advice and, you know, another huge part of my training is knowing when to refer people out, mm -hmm. you know, as a, as a, as a practitioner, you have to have that humility of recognizing when something's out of your scope. Yeah. And, you know, even like I can give somebody my very best advice and be giving them the best of my effort and they might not still be responding to what I have to offer. And at the end, of, and at a certain point, I have to be the one to be like, you know what, I think you need a different approach, which is why I think it's also so important for different types of healers to be connecting with each other because maybe someone might not, you know, be working with my approach, but maybe I could refer them to Andrea and they get better. And really it should be about the health of the patient and getting people better. hundred mm, percent. I completely agree with that. And that's where I've seen kind of an influx too of, you know, I, I, this business coach, you know, has lost a lot of weight. And so people are like, what are you doing? And then she just made like a, a health bundle for free for people to download of all the things she's done. But I'm like, but what she did, it was specific for her. She sought out all of these healers in different modalities. And it was a custom plan for her. That does not mean it's going to work for you. And that's where I think it can get frustrating for people who might be thinking, well, it worked for her. Why isn't it working for me? When realizing it's, it has to be a customized approach and it really, it just, it depends. And Ayurveda at all, that's always kind of the answer. It depends. Everyone's response to things are different. You know, you can give general guidelines, but then if you want to get specific, I always say reach out and work with someone one-on-one -on -one, cause then they'll be able to tell you, like, just as you had said, like, Hey, for a 16 year old, this might be great. But for someone in perimenopause, this might be horrible. And, you know, we, we can see that. Whereas the general population, you might not, you know, even that might not even dawn on you. Like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. You know, I've never even thought of that when I'm thinking of these, you know, multivitamins or whatever the women's day that you can just get at target. I've never even thought of that where I'm like, that makes complete sense. Cause if you are, you're thinking, well, shoot a woman of all different ages. And if it doesn't say that everyone's buying it, but how is that actually working for everyone? It, there's just no way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like also there's, you know, if you take even just one herb, like for example, I've been learning a lot more about uh, maca, for example, like recently, you know, I was taking maca and um, maca has so many different effects and, you know, it is touted as, a, as an adaptogen. So it helps your body, you know, have lower cortisol in some level. And it also boosts progesterone and estrogen. So for me, as somebody that is estrogen dominant, I don't need to take maca because I don't need to take anything that is boosting estrogen. And, um, you know, it just, it, it's so 
complicated and there's so many different systems in the body. And even as a health practitioner where this is the waters that I swim and, you know, like the food that I eat, like, I'm just like, you know, for breakfast, looking up what different supplements and things do. And that's just my life. I still sometimes find it, you know, very convoluted. So I can't, I can't imagine how like, just like the average lay person that's just doing their best to stay healthy and just exposed to so many different, you know, uh, hard. That's so advice. Hard. Yeah. It's, it's really hard and it's hard too in this day and age to know who to trust. Yes. Yes. percent. So it's like, there's so much confusion happening right now in the healthcare industry that it, it's sad because it, it's a barrier to people getting better, better. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I think we could go on in that for a while. Cause I feel passionate about that too. Cause it is, I mean, I think I've written emails and social media posts about that. Cause it is confusing. And if us as practitioners, it, it can be confusing for us, let alone if you don't have any you know degree or any knowledge about these areas, of course, you're going to just be left so confused. And at the end of the day, you just have to kind of listen to your body and how does this work for me? Because it might not work, you know, just because someone so said it's amazing for them doesn't mean it's going to work for, for you. And, you know, mm-hmm. having that flexibility, um, I think to adjust plans is also huge. Um, so kind of speaking of adjusting plans, um, I wanted to kind of dive into this one. Cause I think this became popular maybe with sex in the city with Charlotte, you know, when she went to acupuncture for fertility. So I would love for you to kind of share how, how does that play a factor or, you know, is this people's last ditch effort or when do they kind of come to you on this journey? When should people start coming to you if they're trying to get pregnant? What do you kind of recommend um, in those regards? Yeah, that is an excellent question. Um, because so often, you know, people do kind of come to acupuncture when things aren't working. But when acupuncture and Chinese medicine is the most powerful is actually the preparation period. You know, if you are doing any sort of endeavor, you know, like the, if you're opening a restaurant, you know, you're going to take several months to prepare the space for this huge endeavor. And women just aren't taught to think about our bodies that way. We just think of like, yeah, you just get pregnant and you pop it out and it's natural. And of course it is natural. And it's also a huge event for the body. Yeah, (laughs) You know, it takes a lot of chi and blood. So I, I recommend, you know, if, if someone's trying to get pregnant and, you know, for me, I've been working on my fertility for a year and that's not even necessarily right on my plate right now, but it's just something that I know that I want. And so I'm like, I want to make sure that my body is in the best health possible. And um, so I would typically recommend about three months before somebody wants to actually start trying. Um, That's about how long it takes, takes 90 days for an egg to fully mature, you know, from a follicle to an actual that oocyte that gets released during ovulation. So that's typically what I recommend to people. And um, as speaking to how acupuncture can help, you know, with fertility, it really all goes back to progesterone and the HPA access, um, you know, cortisol, not that it's all stress, I don't want to say like, oh, it's just stress, um, because it's not. But it's also 
just each individual body has its own imbalance. And that's like when a, when a person comes in, you know, they might have what we call in Chinese medicine, stomach heat, that might be, you know, there's not enough of a, of a good flow happening in the digestion. And that's mm. creating like this kind of chi stagnation and heat in the body. And that heat can impact fertility, or, you know, somebody might have liver chi stagnation, which I spoke previously before, where it's just like things that just aren't, aren't, flowing well enough and I had one patient where you know she was spotting for about a week before she'd get her cycle she's trying to get pregnant and um you know I put her just on really basic shaviosan liver chi moving formula and um she got pregnant after like two months of taking it you know and she had been trying for seven months or so before so I definitely feel like that helped and her periods regulated as well where she wasn't having the spotting um but, you know, acupuncture moves the chi and the body and, and different acupoints move chi in different ways. So there's points that uplift the chi and there's also points that down bear the chi. And so it depends on the individual person and how their chi is flowing and what they need and what acupuncture points they need. Um, but, you know, yeah. I love it. That's, I mean, similar to like marma points and Ayurveda and the Panavayu, the down and out, you need to have that down and out flow. Um, otherwise you get that stagnation. Um, now speaking of kind of the down and out, why I saw you originally was okay. Like trying to get baby to come out. Cause I didn't want to have to do or drink the castor oil that was on my, on the way it would have been the next day, but my water broke the day before I had to do the castor oil. And that was my main thing. was not taking the castor oil smoothie. So I, you know, I was like, okay, let me do acupuncture. And, um, I think I saw you at maybe 39 weeks is when I started. So same thing on that regards, should I probably have started to see you sooner? Um, when do you recommend for people if they're like, Hey, I'm ready for baby to come. What does that kind of practice look like for you? Um, well, I would say that acupuncture in my experience is pretty powerful when it comes to getting the baby to come. I mean, I think, you know, usually within two to three sessions in a row, we can get something significant, I would say maybe in like 80% of women, I see that, you know, either they're significantly more dilated, or they've actually had their water break, you know, or they're having more contractions, like there is some sort of physiological response that happens with acupuncture. We typically say, um, and, and, you know, to be clear as well, like, just for, for legal reasons, like, we're never saying that acupuncture is putting a woman into labor, you know, because that, that can My get words. a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of hers. fuzzy, but we will, but we do say that we can help prepare the body for labor. Um, but, you know, like I said, I do feel like acupuncture is powerful as far as preparing. So generally we'll say when you're ready, mm-hmm. you know, do it. But um, we don't ever do any of those kind of like down bearing points anytime before 36 weeks. So the protocol for acupuncture before that 36 week period is very, very different than that period when we're ready. And it's funny that you mentioned the castor oil because, you know, the points that I use to help, you know, maybe help that cervical ripening are the exact same points that I'd use for if somebody's really constipated, because Mm -hmm. those points are helping to go in and release that pelvic floor, which can help with any sort of that like down bearing and stagnation in that lower jaw area as we call it in Chinese medicine. Interesting. So like postpartum, if people are having like 
um, chronically tight pelvic floors, that would be an idea of, Hey, you know, maybe see your pelvic floor physical therapist, as well as come into acupuncture to kind of get some of these, um, stagnation or just kind of help release some of the gripping. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it can be helpful. Sweet. Well, I'm going to make an appointment with you. I'll see you in a few weeks. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I was like, light bulb for myself. I'm like, great. So let's, I'll do that. I'll, I'll let you guys know on the podcast how it goes because it sounds like <laughs> Well, speaking of seeing you, I know you have opened a new facility in White Bear Lake. Um, so if anyone's local in Minnesota, you have a brand new facility. Um, tell us a little bit about that. It just opened as we're recording this a week ago. So congrats and um, tell us the location, who you work with, all of those things. Yeah, I'm super excited. So it's my own business. I'm the owner, acupuncturist. Um, I'm everything currently. I probably will hire someone eventually, but <laughs> right now it's just me. Uh, it's in downtown White Bear Lake. Um, 744 Washington Square. Um, and um, yeah, if people want to connect with me, they can connect with me via email at jessica at artemisiahealthcenter.org by phone, the number is 612-462-5032. Or they can just go ahead and hop on my schedule at my website, which is http um, artemisiahealthcenter.org. And I offer free 15-minute consultations if someone's, you know, not quite sure that acupuncture is right for them, but maybe wants to talk a little bit further. Perfect. And I'll put all of that in the show notes if people are looking to connect with you and, um, you know, get some acupuncture done. And I highly recommend my experience with you it was wonderful. So yes, I will, I will be coming back now. We're getting some public floor stuff. So, hey, here we go. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. I just have one final question. I always like to end with a weekly challenge. I want to have a guest on. I have you throw out a little challenge to everyone. So what would you like that to be this week? Hmm. Okay. So I would say a really good challenge. So the liver in Chinese medicine connects to the wood element, which connects to trees. So one thing that you could do this week to help move your liver chi is to go and put your hands on a tree and just ask the tree if it's willing to take anything that you don't need and commune with the tree. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that so much. Thank you. And that one's a brand new one in seven years. We have not had that, but I love that. So ah. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on Jessica and sharing all of your wisdom. And um, I cannot wait to see you probably in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> cool. <laughs> awesome. All, all right. right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. And go out there and spread your peaceful power.